here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rat Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome back into the Nine Route, everybody. Pat and Scott here with you for another waiver wire and start sit for week four. We're uh, we're looking to bring you something a little bit, maybe a little bit extra next week, where we've been talking about potential trade targets and uh, and things like that. And we were thinking that's something that at after about a quarter of the season, you want to start looking at that guys that you know maybe are disappointing or guys who are stepping up, and you know maybe trying to make some trades to improve your team. So we're going to we're going to try to work on that and get that to you within the next week or two on the podcast here, but but today we're going to we're going to stick with the old waiver wire and start sits the way we've been doing it for the past few weeks. Well, again, we're recording prior to the Monday night game kicking off, so some of the stats uh, numbers that you may hear just understand that the Eagles and Cowboys have not played their game yet. So, you know, some of those some of the numbers uh, if we give any from those either of those two teams, just understand that you know that we're going off of basically two weeks of games for for those two teams. Yeah, yeah. There's some impact players on both sides. Dallas has a very potent offense. Uh, the wide receiving core, running backs, the quarterback, obviously, and the Eagles as well do have some talent out there. So yeah, these stats are are going to be uh, a little gray until everything clears up after tonight. Hoping for a big birds win, of course. Uh, I think that's going to happen. Jalen Hurts coming out game, going home to Texas. I, I, I'm i going to put that one on the board right now. <laughs> it's on the board. On the Way board. to jinx it. <laughs> <You're>, and you, <laughs> you are welcome. Thank you. All right. So man, let's just get, let's get right into it. Cause we are, we are recording semi close to kickoff here and we want to make sure that uh, we don't miss a second of that game. So let's jump into our uh, waiver wire. Sure. All right, so at quarterback, we have Daniel Jones. We had uh, mentioned him last week as far as a waiver wire pickup, and he's still under 50% owned in most leagues, 39% NFL.com, uh, about 46%, 45% in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Um, Jones is, is, you know, he didn't have a great game this past week, no touchdowns, but he's still the ninth overall quarterback in fantasy leagues again pending pending two more quarterbacks to play but i mean jones is is just a guy who uh is going to get you those points with his legs and you know if he if he throws a touchdown in or two that's that's just gravy for you so he's he's one of those safer guys that you can generally play every week and uh not really have uh too much of an issue with with worrying about um him him really submarining your team for the week absolutely the second guy we're going to talk about we did not talk about last week is Sam Donald from the Carolina Panthers. He is actually very scarcely owned, 6.5% in NFL.com, 9% on ESPN, and 22% on Yahoo Leagues. And as of right now, he's the 11th overall quarterback. He's had a really good rapport with DJ Moore, who has been sort of lighting it up this year. You know, with McCaffrey being down for a week or two, which we'll get to in a little bit more detail later, but that could take a little bit of his upside away, but he's still been a really solid quarterback and the Carolina Panthers defense looks like they're pretty real. So, you know, keeping other teams off the board allows the offense to have the ball uh, a lot more and gives Darnold and that Carolina offense a better chance to, to put points on the board for you. Yeah, no, they, they speaking of Carolina, personal vested interest with the running back getting hurt this week. But to see what 
what they've been doing with Darnold. And it's anybody that gets away from Adam Gase seems to be a success story. So again, and we know he had potential in New York, but they just made a trade today, speaking of defense, where they lost uh, J.C. Horn possibly for the season with the broken foot. Uh, and they got C.J. Henderson from uh, Jacksonville for fifth rounder and Dan Arnold, who had been previously mentioned as a possible guy in our league. So yeah, that defense gets better. Carolina is one of those teams, just like the Raiders. It's so far so good. See how they do. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, they've been one of the surprise teams being three and zero so far this year. So, and part of that is, is Darnold. He's, he's not turning the ball over and the defense is playing well. Yeah. Yeah. You could put a little faith, pick him up (laughs) on the other end of that, uh, perfect start. Uh, we're also suggesting to pick up, uh, at least put them on your bench and, and, you know, again, if you're, if you're one of those teams where, you know, understand that if we're, we're talking about quarterbacks, we understand in, in one quarterback leagues, you got a guy like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, obviously you're not picking these guys up to start them. But if you were one of those managers who drafted, say, like a Ryan Tannehill or, you know, even a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, because, you know, the Steelers had all these weapons on offense and you thought that, you know, Roethlisberger would come through for you. Grab a guy, you know, one of these guys, Jones, Darnold, the next guy we're going to talk about, Jared Goff. Um, Goff has actually looked pretty good. Detroit has been in some shootouts. Their defense is pretty bad, which sort of allows them to, or forces them, I should say, to play catch up. And uh, Goff has has been doing a, a fairly decent job catching up and putting some numbers on the board. Yes, I uh, just... Totally agree, 100%. He's sixth right now in the league in pass attempts with 123. So, yes, they're going to be behind in a lot of games. And quietly, the the whole Lions offense, yes, uh, Jared Goff, who is still, to me, a mannequin, but he puts up some numbers. He did okay with the Rams, but they're quietly like a fantasy goldmine. You look at both of the running backs. It's all underneath. It's all dump off in prevent defenses when they're down. Uh, They did uh, put up a pretty good fight against uh, Baltimore and lost to a record-setting 66-yard field goal. But again, uh, it's the Lions, so that was bound to happen to them probably a couple more times this year, too. Goff definitely should be involved, uh, possible bye weeks, you know, when you need to replace your quarterback. And again, he could end up being just a better matchup against a team, not maybe in a positive way, but if if the Lions look like they're going to get blown out, Jared Goff might throw 45, 50 times a game. It's going to get you points. Exactly. Wins and losses don't matter in fantasy for for the players that are on your fantasy team, as long as they're scoring <laughs> points and golf yeah. does, he has been doing that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not about the real NFL. That's why it's fantasy. So yeah, right. we're not saying the lions are good, but Jared Goff's going to get you points and maybe get you a victory. Uh, and again, yeah, if you're in a, a super flex or, or a two quarterback league, uh, he should definitely be, uh, he might even be starting for you right now. Yeah, absolutely. Those super flex and two QB leagues, he, he should be rostered in 100% of those leagues. If, if he's not and you're in one of those leagues, for sure, go go and grab any of the guys that we mentioned could potentially be out there on the waiver wire. So definitely grab those guys and, and slide them in your lineup. They're all uh, top 13 options at this point in the season. And thank your league mates for being completely stupid about it. <laughs> <laughs> one guy I want to mention real quick, uh, he's Owned in most leagues, he, he doesn't meet the the uh, sort of 50% owned threshold that we, we kind of use when we're looking at waiver wire pickups. But go check. There might be some leagues out there where Kirk Cousins may still be available to you. The Minnesota defense has been 
middle of the road. They haven't been terrible. Uh, they have played some pretty tough offenses, but Cousins has had to keep up with those offenses and he's done it pretty well. I mean, the, the Vikings could very easily be 3-0. Cousins, is he's got weapons. He's putting points on the board. He's actually uh, the fourth quarterback overall as far as scoring in fantasy football. Usually guys like that don't stick around for very long, but if he is available in your in your league, go ahead and and scoop him up and and you can play Kirk Cousins with with confidence most weeks. Yeah, no, legitimately, uh, you look at what he's thrown to with obviously Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and now the uh, the KJ Osborne thing is quietly becoming a thing. They finally have a third wheel, you know, a slot receiver, whatever you want to call it, but they have a third wide receiver option and the backfield there is pretty solid. Uh, yeah, Captain Kirk is, you know, a top of the pops right now. Uh, he's a top five quarterback in most of your stats through the regular NFL. And again, with what they're putting up right now, uh, if he keeps this up, he's going to be putting up 25, 30 points a game. He's going to be a major factor. And again, it's always been underappreciated that middle of the road, 12 to 17, maybe in the rankings, but uh, he's been putting up points. He's been putting up yardage. He's been thrown for touchdowns. Um, so again, sometimes you have to look for that on the corollary. If the wide receiver is great and a top five guy, the quarterback's getting on the ball. So it's just a matter of time. Pick up Kirk Cousins, get him on your roster. Go ahead. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you start the running backs off. I, I feel like I'm taking up all the, all the face time here. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, we're FaceTiming. Uh, you <laughs> folks are hearing us, uh, you know, down the road, you may get to meet us personally like that, but they don't want to uh, look at us. Trust me. Nah, well, one out of two ain't bad, but yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate just, that. Thanks. I'll just put, I'll just put, I didn't say you, I put the mask on. <laughs> um, talking about running backs and, and your waiver wire. Obviously, again, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, I have vested interest. Uh, I have Christian McCaffrey in two of my leagues and to see that he was in a tent for 20 minutes, Kind of made me want to put some holes in walls, but at the same time, you know, from having them last year and, and seeing what went down and it was a week to week and it never panned out and you couldn't get him on IR. Last year I had Mike Davis and he was huge. Uh, he, he played himself into a great free agent contract with Atlanta, but this year uh, seeing what just happened and, and now they're saying just a couple of weeks, uh, it looks like you got to go out and you got to get Chubba Hubbard. It's fun to say, uh, just say it with me, Chubba Hubbard, Chubba Hubbard, Chubba Hubbard. Yep. Say it five times fast. It's like that old bubblegum. It, it's it sounds like it. I know exactly. <laughs> and then they do have Royce Freeman as well. Uh, you know, veteran presence definitely. If this kid can't handle the load, but once he got pressed into service in the first half, you know, it was uh, getting his feet wet and checking the temperature of the pool. But then he dove in. Uh, he had a nice game for them. And again, with a, a calming presence at quarterback with a Sam Darnold who has weapons across the field. Um, he really didn't even target Robbie Anderson during the game. It was just kind of him almost putting the team on his back because I think everybody turned around and saw uh, McCaffrey go down. Chubba Hubbard, uh, Oklahoma State product, I believe he ran for over 2,000 yards. He's definitely on their radar. He was a guy that was brought in to be a, a 1A or a 2, not a full committee with CMC there. But if his health is going to be an issue from year to year, they're not going to be worried and, and making sure that they have a guy in there. I think you'd need to uh, go out 100% based on that offense and the way they're moving the ball right now. Chubba Hubbard should be a priority one. If you have number one waiver wire priority right now, make the move. If you have to make a trade for him and try to sneak him off somebody who's got the depth, get him right now because CMC's hamstring could be a week to week. Last year was week to week, and he only played four games. So again, Chubba Hubbard needs to be on your roster probably through waivers. Uh, again, somebody may have picked him up just to spoil a handcuff or something like that. Get him on your team. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where you know when you talk about whether or not to 
uh, handcuff your running back as, as far as, you know, one of your starters and, and taking the backup just in case of injury. I've always kind of viewed that as wasting a roster spot, but when you have a guy like Hubbard who is going to step in and maybe not do what Christian McCaffrey does, but he's going to get a considerable amount of the looks that Christian McCaffrey would have gotten had he been in the lineup. There's almost no way that he isn't going to do something, especially if you're in a PPR league. He's probably going to get you somewhere in the neighborhood of six to seven targets a game because Darnold is just used to running the offense with Christian McCaffrey in it. And he's going to look for his running back out of the backfield. That's that's just sort of built into this offense that they run. So he's, he's definitely a, a piece that you could pick up and start immediately and start pretty much for the entire time that McCaffrey is out. And then a guy that you are probably going to want to hold on to, like you said, in case, you know, this hamstring thing lingers as thin as the running back position is he absolutely, if he's out there, he's definitely the number one priority in your league. Next, we're going to move to uh, the running back. He was mentioned last week, uh, and he's been quietly mentioned as part of the the committee meeting that is the Houston Texans running back room. Right now, he is tied for sixth in the league before the Monday night game in rushing attempts with 46. Uh, that Mark Ingram, the second, he still seems to just be the, if you want to call it the one, but he seems to be the guy that they really are riding, so to speak, hard. Uh, most people in your league probably picked him up in the last week or two just to make sure they had the, the top dog in that three-man rotation that they have. Going into the season, I think a lot of people felt Philip Lindsay was going to be the guy because he had been pretty productive with Denver, but never seemed to get over the hump, had some injury issues. And David Johnson has just been, uh, you know, uh, left a bad taste in your mouth ever since the the broken hand injury that he had the big 2016 year. And, you know, everybody thought he was going to be the next guy and it just hasn't turned around ever since. But um, some of these guys get cooked kind of quick. Again, you're looking at Mark Ingram. He's a guy who's just been running over people his whole career. He may not last as long, kind of gives you that Frank Gore vibe of just that guy that just keeps plodding ahead and he's the goal line guy and he just does what needs to get done. Uh, again, you're talking about a team in Houston that quietly competitive, but they're probably not going to win a lot of games. But if they stay in them and they're not getting blown out, they'll run a balanced offense. And again, he's not a receiving threat out of the backfield. But yeah, you could definitely see him get involved. They're they're riding Davis Mills right now while Tyrod Taylor's out. But uh, I think that offense will probably go through him for most of the season uh, as long as they keep doing what they're doing. Mark Ingram needs to be on your roster if he isn't already. Yeah, I don't really have much to add there. I think you pretty much covered everything on Ingram. So I just want to real quick mention, take a look on your waiver wire and see if Zach Moss is available in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. He's he's a little bit more than 50% owned Uh, on NFL.com. He's only about 38% owned. If he's available... Go out and grab Zach Moss. I, I would say this: if Moss is out there, and we didn't we didn't start at the top with him because of the fact that he is majority owned in in some of these platforms that you're using. But if he is available, I would actually pick up Moss before I picked up Hubbard, just due to the fact that Moss, I believe, is going to have a role in that offense no matter what happens. Whereas Hubbard's role will sort of be diminished to the backup again once McCaffrey becomes healthy. But Moss has scored 16 plus fantasy points in the last two games. Not quite sure what happened in week one. We, you know, maybe it was some sort of disciplinary thing or or just some sort yeah. of roster construction thing that 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 Buffalo was doing with. You know, they did have a lot of wide receivers active for that game. So 
Uh, we're not. I'm not really sure. But since Moss has come back uh, in weeks two and three, he has quietly taken over the snaps, the rushing attempts, and and the targets. Uh, honestly, in the backfield, I think him and Singletary are, are one target apart. But he seems to be the guy that they're uh, leaning on a little bit more than Singletary, and he's by far being more productive with the touches that he's getting than, than Devin Singletary. So if, if Moss is available, go ahead and grab him up. And I wouldn't have any problem starting him, honestly. No, uh, going into the season, I, I was pretty high on him. I, I liked him last year. I had him on my roster. And I remember towards the end of the year, he seemed to almost start to take things over. And then he had an injury that just kind of uh, abruptly ended his rookie year. And you say, okay, you know, maybe he bounces back. Maybe it doesn't. Devin Singletary is a very solid running back and they're both in a terrific offense there uh, in Buffalo to see him not play week one, Pat, you said it. And and I I totally agree. There, there had to be something, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Something was said, something was done that, that that just put him on the bench, maybe to let him know that, you know, it's still the NFL and you got to be a big boy and earn it. But to see him come out and miss week one, and then turn around and right now still be on like the first page statistically with a lot of other running backs already getting a touchdown, already being involved. Uh, you know, he did lose a fumble, but again, he's he's definitely uh, just going to be a focal point in that offense. And it's it's crazy to see that, you know, he's yeah, actually what looking at him right now, he's got uh, three touchdowns already. Mm hmm. Three yeah. touchdowns in two, in two games, games, and he already yeah. missed the first game. I mean, so we can put that fumble off to the side. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and knowing what you have in Buffalo, and I know we're going to touch on uh, another member of that team that's a waiver guy in wide receivers, it's it's kind of scary. Uh, I mean, we've seen them stepping it up year after year, and this could probably be a year that you see Buffalo make it beyond and maybe get over the hump. I, I, I know that uh, we have a friend of ours in our league who is uh, a big Buffalo Bills fan. So he's, even if he loses in fantasy, he's going to be probably a very happy camper, I think probably come uh, maybe February. But yeah, uh, Zach Moss, if he's out there, God forbid, again, high five your league mates for just being, you know, not able to recognize talent. Zach Moss, pick him up immediately. I would even take him Personally, I would take him over Chubba Hubbard, even though it's more fun to say than Zach Moss. But yeah, Zach Moss, if he's out there, pick him up right now. It's a very boring name to say, but uh, very productive. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so speaking of Buffalo, uh, moving into wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders is only about 22, 23% owned in most leagues. Uh, he's just a guy who you weren't really sure. I wasn't really sure after the year that he had last year in New Orleans, whether his career was kind of over or not. Uh, obviously moving to Buffalo in this high powered passing offense, it's apparent that his career is far from over. He looks outstanding. He's Buffalo's deep threat. He is the second third, excuse me. He has the third most targets on the team behind Beasley and Stefan Diggs. You, you can't deny his involvement in the offense. And I think there are, uh, there's a few offenses out there and, and we're going to touch on another one here in a minute, but there's a, there's a few offenses out there that you you just want pieces of that offense because you're never really sure which one is going to have a huge game when uh, Buffalo is definitely one of those offenses. You, you want to get as many pieces of these offenses as you can, because if one guy goes down, if, if Cole Beasley gets hurt or Stefan Diggs goes down, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders could vault into uh, you know, a, a top 12 wide receiver position on a weekly basis if, if something like that were to happen. So if he's available, definitely go out there and and snag him up. Uh, I actually had him and then just 
kicked them off to the side thinking I was smarter than I was uh, in our league. And, you know, right now, like you said, the presence that he brings as a veteran, and I think some people thought maybe he was a little cooked, a little washed up in New Orleans. And I think it's hard to move to a new team and get right into a, you know, a fixture and a focal point. But to see that Josh Allen has has already has a pretty strong rapport with him, knowing that you have digs, you have Cole Beasley, who are still getting the ball. That offense is built to look for uh, the best options. Uh, it, it has, uh, like you said, looking for these teams that just kill it on offense. They they kind of have that Kansas City vibe where, yes, even if you have, you know, a Michael Hardman, uh, you know, and, and and a guy who was coming out of camp was like a, a Byron Pringle. Like you want some guy that's from that offense. But to know it's a guy like this who, especially down the road, when you're getting close to getting into the playoffs, uh, your fantasy playoffs in fantasy, but in the NFL uh, as well, he's going to be a guy that probably gets leaned on pretty hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Another guy who falls into this same category is Sanders. And again, a, a guy who is just on a high powered offense that you just, you, you want to have pieces of. There's actually two guys that, that we can talk about. The first one I'm going to talk about though is, <laughs> you, is there's a lot on this. Team. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first guy is Christian Kirk. He's second on the team. Well, third on the team in targets that uh, Deandre Hopkins and AJ green are first, but he's only got one less target than Hopkins and uh, AJ green. He actually has the most receptions of any of the wide receivers and has already scored two touchdowns. Christian Kirk is just a guy who he's not an every down player. He He's not on the field for every snap, but when he is out there, Kyler Murray is looking for him and he's finding him a lot of the times. I mean, he's just, Kirk is, you know, I've rewatched the, the Cardinals games, uh, everything up until uh, this, this past week, I haven't rewatched that game yet against Jacksonville, but in the two games that they played, Christian Kirk is just wide open. Like there, there's so many plays yeah. where, and there's plays where he's wide open and Murray just goes to somebody else. And, you know, whether he doesn't see him or whether, you know, in, in some cases, you know, other players are wide open. I think with Murray, as he's getting more comfortable in the league and, and getting more comfortable playing quarterback in the NFL, his first year with DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins was hyper targeted. Like he was throwing to DeAndre Hopkins 12. I think, I think that year Hopkins averaged like 10 and a half targets a game this year. Everything is so evenly spread out between AJ green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. Literally the four of them are only separated by three targets. And that's, that just shows that Kyler Murray, he's not depending on, you know, the, the big name out there in DeAndre Hopkins, he is finding the open guy. He is comfortable and Kirk and, you know, the next guy we're going to talk about, they're just guys that you, you just need to get on your roster period. Couldn't agree more. I, I know I've had him over the last year or two where he's, he's a big play guy. He's a home run guy, but to see him now come into his own with the rest of that offense and finally, you know, see him reap the rewards of, of playing next to yes. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, AJ Green himself, uh, Rondale Moore comes along, and it doesn't seem like there's any. While there's competition, it, it's Kyler Murray going back there and pulling the strings and, and making sure to get the ball to like the like you said the guy who maybe is he might get passed by. Yeah, he's like a second, third read. Uh, you know, he's locked in. He already sees the better option based on the on the matchups and the routes run on the play, but. Yeah, Christian Kirk, I, I was forced to put him into my starting lineup over Antonio Brown, who was out with COVID. 
And and it it helped me big time. Uh, and he, and he's always had that ability to have a week where he puts up some serious points. Uh, looking at our league, I believe he's wide receiver fifteen right now. And yes. and again, he's leading all those wide receivers right now. And it, and you've had a little bit of a a hiccup with DeAndre Hopkins not being quite a hundred percent healthy. AJ Green moving over there, obviously the veteran presence. Rondale Moore being the new kid in town and 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 the you know the the hot name so to speak. Defenses can't keep up when they have this much talent. Like we just talked about with like having a Kansas City player on your roster, maybe a Green Bay player on your roster. When you draft, when you pick up players, you're looking for that. Unless you have the top banana, like the the best guy on the worst team. Like if you have a Brandon Cooks from Houston, who's just everything's funneled through him because it's just the only guy they have. That's a different story. But if you're able to pick up a third or fourth option on a team that's putting up you know, four or 500 yards of total offensive game. They're scoring 30 to 35 points a game. We talked about Minnesota this year and, and how their third wide receiver is a legit fantasy option. This is a guy who has been the player with that potential for the last year or two to see him finally realize it and move up the charts. Uh, again, I have him on my team. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Christian Kirk should be rostered immediately on that team. Again, he's an injury away from being wide receiver one, if not already. Again, he's already leading the team. He's a top 15 wide out right now on like NFL.com. Also, AJ Green on that team. (laughs) It's just, you can go through the whole roster. It's so scary. Green isn't available in as many leagues, which is, which is why, you know, he, he's not really, I don't want to say he's not on our list. He's, he's, but we are going to just mention him because again, he does lead the team in targets, uh, him and DeAndre Hopkins. And he actually has more receiving yards than Hopkins and is the second most targeted player downfield in the NFL right now. He's he's actually averaging 18.1 yards per reception. So Green is just another guy where, you know, every week may not be A.J. Green week, but if you are deciding between him and say somebody like, you know, Mike Davis or something like that in your flex, if you need the upside, AJ Green is is going to be a guy that you're going to want to throw in your lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah, he looks like he lost like five or six years of of wear and tear. You know, <sighs> I think you looked at what he did in Cincinnati. He was it, it was him and Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, they had Corey Dillon for a, like a smidge of a second, and then he moved on to New England. Uh, Mixon wasn't quite in play enough yet. You know, that was really just a one-two punch that they had. But he put up the numbers every year, and then eventually it just wore him down physically. You know, he wasn't healthy, and and the, and he kind of, you know, knew maybe the writing was on the wall that they wanted to move on to a younger team. Obviously, they've they've improved. They have a great quarterback. They have a great core of wide receivers right now. Uh, he was a small part of that last year uh, for the last year or two, but to see him come over to this team and be just reinvigorated, it, it just really looks almost like fountain of youth because they're not going to lean on him for 10 to 12 targets a game. Uh, if Murray's spreading this out and he's able to find everybody for, you know, he, you figure Murray's going to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. So if he's spreading that out minimum over three to four wide receivers and, you know, you have Chase Edmonds coming out of the backfield, yeah, with all those options, the defense has to figure out who's the guy we got to stick. And imagine being a defense and going, okay, well, there's DeAndre Hopkins. There's A.J. Green. Uh, this Kirk guy's pretty good. The Rondale Moore kid's going to shred us. Oh, and they can still do it out of the backfield. And if we get all of them covered, we still got to make sure Mary doesn't run for 25 yards <laughs> and touchdown. 
Right now, I can't imagine a defensive coordinator having a, a good night's sleep for a couple <laughs> of days before playing against Arizona. They look scary. I mean, right now on paper, you look at some of the teams and you're saying Arizona, Buffalo, the Raiders, uh, you know, I mean, these teams and, and even Carolina, like that could be your final four right now based on the way the league's going. So. Uh, again, yeah, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, you know, uh, you're almost getting into the point where you want Andy Isabella, who's like their fifth receiver. Just <laughs> keep him around, keep him on the hot plate there, just so to speak, because somebody goes down with an injury that's just going to be next man up. But the way that they're able to spread the ball around and put points up. Uh, yeah, AJ Green, if not him, Christian Kirk, get these guys on your roster. There shouldn't be an Arizona Cardinal skill player sitting out there. All right. So moving moving into tight end, just a couple mentions here evan ingram coming back off of his injury he saw six targets in that in the first game back which which isn't a ton but it's enough to kind of make you feel like he might be involved in this giants offense which is at the moment just the giants offensive receiving weapons are dropping like baltimore's running back galladay hasn't truly been 100 healthy the whole season uh, Shepard and Darius Slayton went down in week three with injuries. Barkley still doesn't look completely uh, back to 100%. He, he still seems like he's just a little a, a little afraid to kick it into to sixth gear. Ingram could be the guy. I mean, especially for the next couple of weeks, if you're if you're hurting at tight end, you can go out and grab Ingram and keep him on your bench, and or, or maybe even throw him in your lineup in, in the hopes that with the other Giants pass catching options. Uh, either don't play or are playing hobbled. Ingram has been the focal point of this offense before and, and could do that again. I, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, seeing, like you said, seeing the injury bug bite them, they're, they're kind of getting thin. Uh, I know last week, I, I think I remember talking about maybe keeping Kyle Rudolph nearby based on the offense and the fact that Ingram hadn't been healthy and then to see him come out and get Obviously, uh, the looks that he gets based on the position and the potential for for a few years now, he seemed like he's uh, going to be that tight end that gets to that next level. You know, maybe a borderline top five guy. They're, they have to throw to somebody. Uh, there's no getting around it. I mean, and if you're down to, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth wide receivers, and you're picking up guys off the practice squad, or you're looking for you know veteran tryouts, and you see this unfortunately happen for somebody who knows the playbook, knows the quarterback. And, and again, if they can have a good rapport uh, and he trusts them, yeah, Evan Ingram easily should be a guy who's going to get lion's share of the targets, uh, be the go-to guy in the red zone, probably just get you 10 points on accident just from getting, you know, a 20 yard touchdown reception, things of that nature. Um, there'd be no reason to not have him there. And with bye weeks coming out, if you're a one tight end guy, having Evan Ingram involved uh, nearby on your roster, Pick them up. It, it won't hurt if you if you feel like it's somebody that you want to keep nearby. Because again, the tight end pool gets pretty pretty thin uh, pretty quick right now. You're already kind of seeing that where some of the big names haven't panned out, and some of these uh, unsung guys they have a good week or two. You get the right matchup, Evan Ingram. Uh, he could win your week for you. All right, let's get into our uh, our start sits then for the week. You got it. Can't wait. Starting at quarterback. Who's your quarterback start of the week? Uh, ironically, the gentleman starting in about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, I like Jalen Hurts against Kansas City going into week four. I know for some people, he's an automatic start based on where you draft him. But for some people that have a stud quarterback already in play, a Josh Allen, a Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, an Aaron Rodgers, 
and he's your insurance policy. He's your trade bait. That's a different story. Kansas City is 31st against a quarterback. Uh, their defense has given up uh, 457, 481, 352. They've given up 29 points, 36 points, and 30 points. Justin Herbert just shredded them over this weekend. And uh, they're worried about outscoring you, not stopping you. Uh, and if you're going to give a guy like this the ability to do that, uh, you, you saw what Lamar Jackson did. Not saying Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson, but you saw what he was able to do and step up and and really just take that game over at the end and win it for them. And if they're going to have issues with turnovers, uh, Jalen Hurts being a dual threat quarterback, I just to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, right now, I, I, they may not win the game, but Jalen Hurts would be a no brainer. He's probably going to be a top three quarterback next week against Kansas City. All right. And I'm going to go with a guy we talked about a little bit earlier in the waiver wire. I'm going to say to start Sam Darnold this week. I know that we talked about how good Carolina's defense has been, but they really haven't played anybody as high powered as they're going to play next week in Dallas. Again, Dallas is just, I target them every week as far as my start sits because they're going to score for the most part and they're going to give up a lot of points for the most part. So uh, you, you got a good shot every week against them. Uh, I think that, the connection between Darnold and DJ Moore is is real, obviously, like we talked about earlier. And even with McCaffrey out, I think this could be a week where Robbie Anderson shows back up. This could be a week where you see uh, the rookie Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, also getting a little bit more involved. And and I think that you know Dallas' secondary is still pretty bad. And I think that this could be a fairly high-scoring game. As good as uh, Carolina's defense has been, I think this could, could definitely be a little bit more of a shootout. And I like Sam Darnold on the other side if you're looking for a, a QB streaming option. Yeah, no, don't disagree at all. All right, so who do you have for your sit? Uh, my sit this week is, and we, we've touched on different parts of the offense there. Uh, I'm going to sit Ryan Tannehill against the New York Jets. And I know you're saying, well, it's the Jets. Of course, you know he's probably going to have a great game. You have A.J. Brown out with a hamstring. You have Derrick Henry being that guy in that offense. Um, and this is even where I think the Jeremy McNichols could get more involved. They're number three right now against the quarterback, whether or not that's defensive because of Robert Saleh being the coach. Uh, but I think it's a little more because the Jets tend to be behind big time in a lot of their games. So the quarterback does some damage in the first half and they're just getting dominated uh, on the other side of the ball. So the quarterback doesn't have to drop back and throw and, and bring his team back. So almost like we talked about the converse of Detroit being behind in games, I feel like the Tennessee with this game could be far enough ahead early enough and just decide to plod the ball, control the ball, and then beat up poor little Zach Wilson, who was the uh, the target of uh, a, a pretty rough uh, TikTok that I saw on Twitter with a, I think it was a 12-year-old kid breaking down the entire Jets offense <laughs> yeah, failing, which is just priceless because he was dead on with everything, but it was still hilarious. Um, yeah. Tannehill. I don't, I just don't think they're going to try to risk too much with him uh, missing one of his top wide receivers. I just don't see Tannehill putting up 25, 30 points. I see him having a pedestrian game, just enough to win managing the game because they're going to be totally in control on both sides of the ball. So I would sit Tannehill this week. If you have a better option, uh, possibly a better streaming option like a Jalen hurts. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. The Jets haven't really been giving up a ton of quarterback points, passing yards, any of that stuff. So uh, I'm going to sit a guy that I said to start last week, and, and this isn't uh, me losing any confidence in him. It's just 
Uh, it's really the matchup. I'm going to say to sit Daniel Jones this week. He's going up against the Saints, and they have just been. Uh, you saw what they did week one to Aaron Rodgers. I know that you know that was maybe a little bit more of the Packers sort of not being in sync after a, a, a funky training camp and offseason with Rodgers, but they've been good against quarterbacks in weeks two and weeks three as well. And with the banged up receiving core in New York, I unfortunately don't see the Giants scoring many points and I don't see Danny Dimes dropping many dimes. He's going to be, he's going to be Danny Nichols on Sunday. Uh, He's just, he's just not. Well done. Well done. (laughs) He's not, uh, he's just not, I'm not confident in, in starting him this particular week. I'm not saying he's a, you know, obviously we we talked about picking him up if he's still on your waiver wire. Uh, pick him up and put him on your bench. Don't pick him up and start him against the Saints. All right, what about your running back start for this week? Some people may already have this guy involved as a flex, and that's fine. But I feel like you could be confident enough to almost put him in an RB2 at this point. And uh, it's not a new name. It's Naheem Hines from Indianapolis. They're going against the Miami Dolphins, who are number 31 against the running back right now. He's pretty much involved in that offense uh, as much as Taylor. Now, not as much out of the backfield. Uh, 16 carries for Hines, 32 for Taylor. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, who uh, is a probably a first-round pick for a lot of people in fantasy, if not like a high two, he just hasn't been really doing it. Doesn't even have a touchdown yet. Uh, it's been kind of stymied as the focal point of the offense, which seems obvious, but Naeem Hines, for those that have been scoring at home for the last couple of years, is really good and adept at receiving out of the backfield. He does have 16 receptions out of the backfield already compared to 11 for Taylor, and he's already got a touchdown. I feel like against Miami with this kind of an offense, granted, Taylor might have his breakout game and get comfortable. Carson Wentz has been looking for a way to win. They're 0-3. He's new to the team, but He's always been a guy who will get his running back involved in a passing game out of the backfield. Uh, to me, Naeem Hines, I think, is going to really have that dual threat game that you drool over for a running back when you draft him for running and receiving and touchdowns. He's getting the looks in the red zone. Uh, I, I would start. I wouldn't start him over Jonathan Taylor, but I would start Naeem Hines as a flex and possibly even an RB two uh, if you're uh, flipping a coin this week. I am going to actually go with. Uh, Josh Jacobs this week. Uh, now this is assuming that Jacobs comes back off of his injury, which it, it seems like he's he's going to be okay. Going up against the Chargers, I know that the Raiders have been passing the ball a lot and and not really running a ton, but I I think that John Gruden is a lot smarter than me, especially at the game of football. And the Chargers, the way the Chargers built their defense was to beat the Chiefs, which obviously worked this past week. They are a very small, very fast defense. Their linebackers are not very big. Their their safeties are not very big. They have given up the most rushing yards in the league and the seventh fewest passing yards. And I'll remind you, they just played the Chiefs and and are still seventh uh, in passing yards given up. So the Chargers are built to stop the pass, not built to stop the run. And I believe that the Raiders are going to have to run the ball if they want to have a chance in this game. If Gruden and Derek Carr come out and keep going with this this throw happy offense that they've been going with the past few weeks, I don't think I think the Chargers are going to blow them out. So I do think that they're going to have to run the ball. And I like Jacobs to I like Jacobs to get a, a touchdown this week. There you go. All right, so let's go to the sits for running back. Yeah, mentioned them previously when I talked about Chubb Hubbard. 
Uh, Mike Davis, uh, he's going Wait, against are we, the Washington. Are we seeing how many times you can say that in one episode? Is that because uh, I haven't been I'm, keeping track? I'm gonna have to go back and do that. I'm thinking of redoing the whole Amadeus song from the 80s and just Chubba <laughs> Hubbard, Hubbard, Chubba Hubbard, Chubba Hubbard, Chubba Hubbard. Yeah, it's you know, and, and to see how like you know sober you sound when you're saying it. Um, Mike Davis, you know, free agent signing from Atlanta. He's going against the Washington football team this week. They are one of the top 10 defenses right now against running backs. Not a shocker. One of the biggest reasons is a name that has been, uh, I I guess, the bane of the existence of a lot of people. I know know Matthew Barry joked about it recently, too, who's, who's, you know, like the godfather of fantasy. But Corderell Patterson is becoming a thing. Took a long time, uh, but he is right now getting the looks in the red zone because he's a multidimensional player. Davis has some of that ability, but he doesn't have the speed that 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 a player like Patterson has who can play wide out, do the special teams, be an overall skill guy. To me, Mike Davis right now, he's in a bad spot. It's a shame. Uh, they have a young, banged-up offensive line. You have a veteran quarterback who's – just trying to find his way right now after you took away his best weapon, you know, the, the tight end, uh, I had him uh, highly touted Kyle Pitts. Like that offense, the the fact that they beat the Giants the other day just says how bad the Giants are uh, as, a, as a team. And, and, and as an Eagles fan, I'm pretty happy with that. But uh, yeah, I would sit Mike Davis this week against the uh, Washington football team. I just don't see him. I just don't see him putting up any type of numbers. And if anybody from that position does, it's going to be Patterson. Yeah, everybody wondered before the uh, before the season if the Falcons were going to go out and draft or sign a, a uh, running back to sort of supplant Davis as the starter, and it looks like there was already one on their roster, and nobody nobody realized yeah. it. All right, I am going to uh, I'm actually going to piggyback your sit from last week, and I'm going to take Clyde edwards Alaire uh, against Philadelphia. He had a good game this week. Finally, you know, one out of three, I guess, ain't bad, but. Uh, I just against Philadelphia, I don't see it happening. The Eagles are they're they're a good defense. We'll see how good they are tonight at, against Dallas. They're, the game is got the highest over under on the week, and usually when these Vegas lines get up over fifty five, which uh, is where this game is right now, it, it just means that there's going to be a lot of passing. Both teams are going to be scoring, and as much as CEH is going to be a part of, you know, their offense moving forward. They just haven't really been throwing him the ball out of the backfield. The Eagles run defense has been outstanding so far this year. And I just don't see Clyde having a real big impact on the game. Now, could it be one of those weeks where the chiefs get down and and he runs, you know, two one yard rushing touchdowns and makes me look stupid. Like Antonio Gibson did last week. Sure. That's possible. But if that's what I'm banking on, uh, I would rather find a better option somewhere else. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree. All right, so who are we starting at wide receiver? I am looking at Jalen Waddle. Everybody, Waddle, baby, Waddle, baby, Waddle, baby, Waddle. There he is. Um, again, you're looking at a guy, Jacoby Brissett, being the quarterback of record right now. Uh, two is out with an injury. He definitely got some people involved, and it looked like underneath work. Jalen Waddle had 12 receptions for 58 yards, so he averaged under five yards a catch. But damn if he didn't look for him every time underneath. So, you know, in a sense, it's almost like second-teamer quarterback looking for that guy, wanting to get him involved. 
uh, based on the coverage, maybe whatever the case may be. To me, Jalen Waddle, if he's going to be a guy who's going to get 13 targets, just boom, here you go with this quarterback who now knows to look for him as a viable option, as a Cooper Cup-ish, as a Hunter Renfro. We we joked about Braxton Berrios, like these volume guys underneath, and knowing the skill set that he has that to break a play. Uh, you could probably start him with ease this week because he's going against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they're one of the bottom of the barrel teams against wide receivers. But again, looking at that, he's a number one overall pick. I, I, to me, it, it's a no-brainer. He should easily be a flex. He could probably be a wide receiver too this week. Uh, you know, unless you have a better option, uh, Jalen Waddle, start him with confidence. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Corey Davis. I know that uh, he didn't really have a good week against the Broncos, but nobody seems to have a good week against the Broncos. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to kind of give him a pass on that one. The Broncos defense is is legit. And uh, the Jets offense just was really unable to move the ball, got completely shut out in that game. And uh, I think that this is a, a bounce back game uh, versus Tennessee. Their their defense has not been great so far this year. They're, they're third worst giving up points to the fantasy points to the wide receiver. And Corey Davis is still the number one option there in New York. And I think that that continues uh, next week against Tennessee. And I think that the Jets put a few points on the board in that game against a, a, a much softer defense than the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Don't disagree. Uh, looking into my sit for wide receiver. And I say this with a, I, I, with a heavy heart, <laughs> um, I kept them instead of TJ Hawkinson thinking he had a shot to really do something in this offense. And he is an afterthought and it's, it's a shame. I mean, maybe things change. Uh, I'm sitting Robert Woods this week. Uh, I really will hate to do it. And I probably will really do it in my league. He's going against Arizona. Um, while they're not maybe the greatest ever against wide receivers, he's just not doing it. He's not getting the targets. He's not getting the looks. It's Cooper Cup is just the man in this offense. And Stafford making plays downfield. He's got Deshaun to play with, Van Jefferson's of the world. You know, Daryl Henderson a little banged up. But, you know, they they just put their points up and their defense really keeps things going for them too. They're 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 a monster on both sides of the ball. We saw him take Tampa Bay to task uh, over the weekend, but yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it. He he, had, he has helped me out on a lot of years, but Robert Woods this week, I, I hate to do it. I hope you'd prove me wrong, pal. I really do. I might even keep you in. I'm, I'm trying, but uh, I sit Robert Woods. Yeah. He's uh he's gone from Bobby trees to Bobby bushes. It seems like he's, he's just not, uh, <laughs> just doesn't have the, doesn't have the trunk that he used to have anymore. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Hollywood Marquise Brown uh as my sit for the week. I know he's he's had a couple of good games, a couple touchdowns this early in the season, and he does seem to be Lamar Jackson's uh, you know, first option in the passing game. But again, we just talked about how good that Denver Broncos pass defense is. And I mean, let's be honest, Hollywood dropped some pretty catchable balls in that game. Uh, that that game against Detroit this week should not have been close, and and he kind of helped to keep it close. I'm not saying that that Lamar Jackson's going to lose, you know, any confidence in him or whatever. But we saw last year when Deontay Johnson sort of struggled with drops towards the end of the year. That stuff gets in your head, man, and and you know, even with for professional athletes, especially for professional athletes, when you, when you start doubting your uh, your own abilities, bad things can happen. And against a good defense like the Broncos. I'm not willing to take that risk with Marquise Brown. So 
Um, he's one of those guys where he's probably a wide receiver to flex consideration for you. Hopefully you have somebody better that you can, you can pop into that spot. But um, if you do, I'm looking to, I'm looking to sit Hollywood this week. Yeah, man. Uh, moving on to tight end starts. And this one is quietly uh, moving up the charts. Used to be a little bit of maybe a, a no brainer to some people, but uh, you, you're looking for a part of a big offense. I'm looking for Dawson Knox, uh, who has really, really, really become a huge part of that offense. While everybody else there gets the yardage, gets the numbers, gets the stats, uh, he's big in the red zone. Uh, he's already got 12 targets, 10 receptions, 107 yards, and two touchdowns already through three weeks. He's going against the Houston Texans, who are one of the Worst teams against tight end right now. They have no linebacker play. They don't have a lot of play anywhere on the field. But you see where they're going to just make their efforts to stop a lot of the skill guys. Uh, he has been really good, and, and Josh Allen has always kind of looked for him. He's had some injury issues here and there, and probably a reason maybe they didn't make a trade for a dominant tight end because they know the potential this kid has. Dawson Knox this week against Houston, uh, to me, he's probably going to be a top five tight end, uh, top ten definitely, but I could see him easily crawling up that that rung. And by the end of the year, he could even be a guy that really finishes the year as a top five, six, seven tight end. Yeah. I, I like Dawson Knox. I always have. I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start your boy, Mike Kosicki this week. Um, you just <laughs> talked a little bit about Jalen Waddle. Uh, I know this is maybe a little bit of recency bias. And, and I kind of thought that when I was researching, you know, my start sits. Uh, so I went back and I actually looked at Jacoby Brissett's tendencies as far as you know, who he tends to target in offense. Jack Doyle. <laughs> so, yes, in 2017 and 2019 were the last two seasons that Brissett was basically the starter in Indianapolis. And in, in those years, in 2017, he targeted uh, Doyle and uh, Eric Ebron, who was on the team back then, 190 times. Uh, Doyle Is that got, a lot? Uh, it's a decent amount, yeah. 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 yeah For tight like end, yeah. Sounds like a lot, yeah. <laughs> In uh, in 2019, now Doyle was hurt a little bit in that year. Uh, yes. Actually, I think Ebron missed a few games that year as well. And yeah, uh, they were going down the Mo Alley Cox Road, or, or something. yeah, yeah, they were very yes. Trey Burton too, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and Trey Burton had it. You know, there was a there was a point in time where Trey Burton was playable uh, mm -hmm. in your fantasy roster that year. So yep. um, Jacoby Brissett is just one of those guys who he's not the most talented, you know, quarterback in the NFL, but he's a very safe, you know, he takes, he takes those underneath targets and, and, you know, like we saw on Sunday against the Raiders targeted Mike Kosicki 12 times had uh 10 receptions for, for 86 yards, like you said. And uh, I think that as long as Brissett is the quarterback, I think that uh, Gusecki could be a, he could be a, a viable start for you. Um, not just this week coming up, but also, you know, just sort of moving forward. Yeah, if you don't have a top dog, he should be your guy. And again, I dirted him up last week, and look what happened. He <laughs> stepped up. So now that you're riding him, he, he knows where he's at. He's going to be a he's a top ten tight end. Now that I'm riding, he'll he'll have two targets, one catch for seven yards, and that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Fuller will suddenly become the focal point yeah. after coming back off suspension. Sure. All right. So who are you sitting at tight end this week? Um, Tyler Higby, who has been a huge part. And last week I was all about him against Tampa Bay. And lo and behold, he did have a very good game. It was one that I would like to stick my chest out. You won't see it here on uh, the audio, but yes, I'm doing that. But he, uh, again, he's going up against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. 
right now they have a pretty solid linebacking core. And if they're looking to protect that quarterback so he can get the offense going, Higby, he could still catch something quick in the red zone, some misdirection, some tight end, uh, you know, block and pop outs, things of that nature. I don't see him getting the yards. He's probably going to be very touchdown dependent this week. So he might only get you six, seven, eight points. Uh, he's not going to do double digits. I'd be very shocked if he somehow puts up that 15 to 20 point top five tight end week uh, again against Arizona and and trying to keep that offense going. I'm very high on him. I don't not. I, I think Tyler Higby's going to probably finish in the top six, seven tight end as well this year with the way that offense goes. But he might be the uh, the guy that just has to stay in and protect this week. So I would sit him if you have a better option. Yeah, he was actually one of the guys I had uh, as well. But when you said that you were going to take him, I moved on to Jared Cook as my sit for the week. <laughs> he was he was in my top three sits. Yeah, he's uh he's not a bad player. I, I actually really liked Jared Cook last year for the Saints. I think the big thing with him, honestly, is with the emergence of Mike Williams, you yeah. know, Austin Eckler, and obviously Keenan Allen getting targets in that offense. He's just. I don't want to say he's forgotten about because he's not. He's he's definitely made some big plays for them, you know, so far this season. But he just doesn't make enough of them. And I think that, you know, you may have drafted him as one of those late round tight ends that that had some upside. And and I think he would have upside if if Mike Williams, you know, does the Mike Williams thing and and gets hurt. I think Cook may yeah. slide in there at some point. But at this point as a fourth option on a team going up against a, a Raiders team, who's not bad against the tight end. They're, they're actually um, 12th best to get the tight end. So they're, you know, they're a top 12 team, obviously um, that's what 12th best means, but um, he's <laughs> just best or 12th worst. What do you mean? <laughs> he's just not, he's just not doing it. He's just, I think that you can, you know, I, I would honestly rather start Evan Ingram this week than, than I would pick him up and start him over Jared cook. Yeah. And Jared cook uh, for those that, home that aren't sure he is 74 years old Jared <laughs> uh, well no, the chargers yeah. like keeping tight ends until they're you know old and gray look at you know yeah. i think antonio gates is still on their roster somewhere yeah they put him in the ring of honor while he was still playing actually in the same game all right last but not least let's go to the defenses defense well i never thought i would say that i would really like to use i mean i'm not using them but if you need them go get them if you're a streamer the cincinnati bengals defense yeah uh, they came off a pretty nice game against a really bad quarterback that used to be a reasonable quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Now what they're doing is they're going against a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback, and a really bad team. They're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are number 30 in our league against the D. Uh, they're probably not far off in your league. Uh, you got Trevor Lawrence, who thinks he's the man, and they're calling flea flickers. And that, it just it, it's... It's a shame. I mean, again, that that whole team down there just for years to come uh, until they get a real coach, the quarterback might be legit. It's just a dumpster fire. Uh, you know, you, you finally get James Robinson a little involved. That's nice to see. But again, uh, you're, you're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals coming off a very tough divisional game with a huge win uh, in Pittsburgh. I believe that was. Yes, um, it was. Yeah. And now they get to kick the snot out of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which probably won't be that hard as long as it's not a letdown game and they don't look ahead to next week and things of that nature uh, with confidence, possible double digit. Uh, I, I feel like they probably get like 12 points this week. Uh, Cincinnati against Jacksonville. Uh, look to them. Look to the Bengals uh, to be uh, that team. They're, they're the better cat in the jungle. <laughs> 
No, I agree. And and Jacksonville has has the most turnovers in the league so far. So whenever yeah. you're picking a defense, you, you like seeing them go up against teams that turn the ball over. Uh, I'm going to start. Uh, I actually flipped a coin on this one. I'm going to start the Chicago Bears defense against the, the Detroit Lions. I know that the Lions haven't um, haven't been the, the, the walk in the park that a lot of uh, a lot of us in the fantasy community thought that they were going to be. Dan Campbell has them truly believing in playing this, you know, old school smash mouth, bite your kneecaps off type of football. And they're not that bad, you know, I will say. But if you go back and watch the games, a lot of Detroit's offense comes in those comeback, you know, down big and and needing to come back. Now, last week against Baltimore, uh, you know, they kept the game close. But like I said, most of that was because of Marquise Brown dropping what would be two touchdown passes basically. Um, So they could have been getting blown out in that game as well. I just think that the bears in order to win, uh, especially after the, the drubbing that they took against Cleveland this week, they're going to have to be a defensive oriented team. They, they have 11 sacks already this year, which is I believe fourth in the league. And they're, they're just in order to win games uh, at this point, no matter who is starting at the quarterback position, the Bears D is going to have to step up, and I think they I think they do that against Detroit this week. But I honestly don't mind starting Detroit's defense against the Bears if if the Bears are not available. So I think it's going to be a very low scoring, turnover laden game. So yeah, can you flex a defense? Is that possible? <laughs> but yeah, no, super flex. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah, too. right. The, yeah, the Dan Campbell thing. It's it's a literary. It's like McGruff the crime dog meets like the Walking Dead. Like yeah, they're biting something, taking a bite out of crime, biting your kneecaps. Yeah, that. that they played well enough to to win, like you say, based on on somebody contributing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, e- either team, either matchup, right there. I think. Yeah, flip a coin, you're probably going to get some points. All right. So who are we sitting? Well, I'm going to say we need to sit the chefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Sit them this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Birds are a, a pretty potent offense. Uh, granted, they had a, a weird game uh, this past week against. The Niners, and they're in the process of playing the Dallas Cowboys as we speak. Uh, but Kansas City, again, we talked about that when we talked about starting Jalen Hurts, that they've given up those numbers on offense. They've already given up uh, four, eight. Uh, they're closing in on like 12, maybe 1,300 yards of total offense that they've given up in the first three weeks, 29, 36, and 30 points. Uh, the Chiefs defense isn't going to get you anything. Uh, you know, they may have a honey badger. They may have some players on that team. But right now, uh, they just seem like they can't find their footing on defense. So I would definitely sit the Kansas City Chiefs defense against Philly because this is going to be a big game for for their offense as well to try to prove that they can be that team. Uh, it's going to be in Philly. Uh, it's going to be against their old head coach. So there's a lot of things in play right now. Uh, sit the Chiefs against the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. That's like I said, that's the the highest uh, over under on the week. So I don't think either of those defenses are really uh, going to be in play for you. Uh, I am going to sit the uh, what what could be one of a, a top five defense in your league. Uh, it, it, you know, in our league, I think I want to say there are three right now. Uh, sit the Arizona Cardinals. They have shown that they can get some sacks and get some turnovers, uh, but they also give up a, a decent amount of points. And going up against the LA Rams this week, yeah, just not a, I mean, you saw what they did to Tampa Bay's defense this past weekend. The Rams just, they have weapons all over the place. I know that, uh, 
you know, Woods and Higby are, are on your sit list, but the, either one of those guys could, could do it. Cooper cup has obviously been uh, just completely unstoppable. And uh, when Daryl Henderson was healthy, he was a, a top 10 running back. So they just have weapons all over the place and it's just not a good idea to start any defense against the Rams. So uh, as much as, you know, you may want to, to think and hope that the, the Cardinals are, you know, one of those elite defenses because of the, the amount of fantasy points that they have scored so far. Uh, I, I would not want to do that against the Rams this week. Nope. Don't disagree. Uh, again, you're right. All right. So that's it for the week. Uh, before we go, do you, uh, do you have anything else you want to, you want to put out there before we, we sign off and, and actually get to sit back and hopefully enjoy uh, this Eagles comeback? <laughs> Oh, oh, wow. Seven, nothing. It's not a comeback. It's just, you know, lulling them into a, a false sense of security. You give, uh, you give our offense a chance. Hopefully, uh, Nikki ball game, coach Sirianni maybe gave him the ball in the first half, you know, all the, all the good stuff, all, all the way the Eagles do the, uh, the fantasy football community lost a, a huge, huge, uh, irreplaceable member, uh, this week with, uh, with tags, uh, Mike Taglier. I've been, again, Pat and I have been playing this and, and we started this whole concept um, with the, with the, I guess to say the inspiration uh, from seeing some of the big names and, and some of the big sites and, and everybody that does w- what they do in this community for fantasy football. You play it, but then also to want to give your opinion because you feel that you're good enough and strong enough and smart enough to do it uh, week after week and, and, Take it on the nose when you're wrong, like we're doing right now and joking around with 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 screwing up or, or not getting the right picks in. But but having the conviction and the drive to do this and to see someone this young, uh, he's actually younger than both of us. He was younger than both of us uh, to see somebody like this have something happen uh, to his wife, to his family. Um, and to his fantasy football family uh, at Fantasy Pros, uh, I've been involved uh, with using a lot of their information uh, over the years. And, and when Pat and I started doing this uh, podcast, you know, it, it dawned on me. I've, I've watched YouTube and, and things of that nature with my daughter for years um, that, oh, my God, that's right. I can actually watch these guys and, and see what they're talking about and, and the input and and you know, uh, seeing what goes on, they, they make it feel like you're there, like you're part of it. Um, and hearing all the stories about the guy, it, it's just, it's really a, a very heartbreaking thing uh, for, for Pat and myself. And, and again, obviously for everybody else that is involved in fantasy football, it just touches home um, our, our best wishes. Uh, again, and Pat, you know, I, I know you have more to add, but our, our best wishes go to, to Mike's family. Um, and, and to everybody that's ever worked with him, that's known him. And, and again, uh, we, we take it on the chin a little bit here too, because he's one of those guys that inspires us to think that, Hey, you know what, if you apply yourself and you work this hard and you, you, you believe in what you're doing, um, just like in any walk of life that, that something like this is, uh, you know, achievable, uh, where you can get to be to that point where, where people believe in you and, and listen to you and, uh, you know, obviously you become a success on, on something as crazy as fantasy sports, fantasy football, uh, of all things, while, while still being a fan and a father and, and a husband, uh, again, our, our best to your family, uh, Mike, uh, and everybody at, at fantasy pros. Again, we do, uh, we do extend our condolences to you guys. Yeah, we, uh, I really don't have much to add. I think you put that pretty, uh, 
pretty eloquently. So I'm going to leave it at that. What I will say is, um, you know, if you follow us on Twitter, we're going to go ahead and tweet out they, they fantasy pros and, and, uh, the Taglier family started a GoFundMe page to, you know, just sort of help the family out in this, this time of crisis. And we're going to go ahead and, and retweet that, that GoFundMe page link. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to do that, uh, every, every day or so, um, just to, just to get a little bit more exposure out there. We're also going to put the, the link to that GoFundMe page in, the description to this show. So if you're listening to us on Google podcast or on um, Apple podcast or any, anywhere you can, you can scroll down through the description and uh, click that link if you'd like to donate. And, and I don't, I, we, we never met tags personally. Uh, like you said, we, we just started obviously doing this this year, but I think I speak for both of us when I say that we both felt like we knew him just from, from listening to him and watching him over the years. And um it, it really is a, a sad and, and sombering day for the fantasy community. So Tabby and uh, that fantasy pros community, we, we wish you the best and we hope that uh, we hope that, you know, all of the, the love that's poured out is, is in some way, you know, helps to comfort you. But I know that it, it probably doesn't, but we just want to extend our condolences. Like, like Scott said, and, uh, and let you know that we are we are thinking about you. Yep. We love you guys. <laughs>